discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. The next word for salvation, the next vocabulary for salvation is remission, remission, remits, remission. Hallelujah. Remission. You know, a good understanding of how much you've been forgiven makes all the difference. For some people, forgiveness of sins is up to a certain point. For some people, forgiveness, God's forgiveness, you know, of our sins is up to the day we are born again. So after you are born again, whenever you do something wrong, you need to pay for what you did wrong. Have you ever seen people like that? They think, I don't know if you've met such people before, or probably it has even crossed your mind, that when you do something wrong, you need to pay for it. Sometimes when you, you get into trouble, you find yourself thinking that it is because of something that you did. You are inheriting this problem because of someone or two problems. Someone or two sins that you committed some time back. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You tried to apply for a certain contract and it didn't work. Then you start thinking about something that you did about two years ago. So there are a lot of Christians who are living in a, in a trap. They're falling in a ditch of paying for their sins on their own. So they, they, they feel their, their problems is because of what they did. So that when a sickness comes into your life, it's like, ah, it's because I did this thing. God is paying me back. God is repaying me for the wrongs that I did. Hallelujah. So a good understanding of our forgiveness or God's forgiveness of our sins is very important. It will dictate how much love we have for God and it will dictate the quality of our lives as Christians on earth. Hallelujah. So that's what remission wants to. Remission seeks to aid you to understand how much you have been forgiven and what has happened to your sins. <laughs> Let me show you a scripture. Let's start from Luke. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It's a very, very important um, story in the Bible. From verse 36 to verse 48. I'll read everything. I have a lot of things to read to you today. Okay? And one of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. He desired that Jesus would come and eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. He sat down to meet. Next verse. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Say she was a sinner. sinner. Say it again. She was a sinner. You know, the whole city knows that this lady is a sinner. 
already we know. I mean, she was high class, high class sinner. I shall, you understand, like very customized to that. <laughs> and the woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat at the Francis house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. She brought a very expensive alabaster box. Got, of course, gotten from her sin work. Hallelujah. Next verse. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. Then her hair was very long. You know, you need to let, let your, your hair be long because the, the hair is the glory of the woman. You know, and it detects the beauty of the woman. So because of her kind of sin that she commits, she needs to make her hair very long. I don't know if the ladies, when you buy the work that is on your bottoms, you realize that it's very expensive, isn't it? Uh-huh. You want me to see yours? <laughs> so her hair was very low. She was wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. Brazilian hair. And kissed his feet. And anointed them with the ointment. What a shock. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, when he saw what was happening, he spoke within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman, who and what manner, who this woman is, and what manner of woman this woman is. He said it within himself. So he was eating. He was eating there. I was saying it. If this man were a prophet, he doesn't know. If he knew what type of a woman, there are different types of women, but this type is a chief of sinners. I mean, even when she touches you, she will seduce you. If he knew, <laughs> and like the lady was kissing his feet and all that. If he was not, this guy is not a prophet. So the, the Pharisees started regretting that he had, he had invited Jesus. Like, what type of prophet is he? They say he's a prophet. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know things. You would have known who and what man of woman this is. That touched him. For she is a sinner. He was saying it to him. She's a sinner. Ah, Jesus. You are not a prophet. Next verse. You see, Jesus is not here what he was saying inside him. He did not, the man didn't voice it out of his mouth. He said it within. But Jesus answered him to let him know that he's a real prophet. (laughs) He wanted him to know that I am a real prophet. Just that, you see, there are differences. And Jesus answered said unto him, sometimes when you're preaching, you just answer people's questions. They've not asked, but the questions on their hearts are answered. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto you. I have something to say unto you. And he said, Master, say on. You see, the guy was regretting that, but he said, okay, you master. I will still call you master anyway. Say on, preach on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. Let's say 500 pence is 500 million dollars. And 50 is 50 million dollars. Next verse. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Frankly, out of his heart, forgave them. He said, I've forgiven you of your money, of your debts. You don't owe me anything anymore. 
Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Which of the two? The one who owes $500 million and the one who owes $50 million. If they are forgiven their debts, who will be happier? I'm asking, who will be happier? So he, said, he answered. He's a wise guy, so he answered. And when he had, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom the, he forgave most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. You have judged rightly. It's true. You are correct. You are a Pharisee. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? Do you see this woman that you are talking about? You see this woman? <laughs> I entered into thine house. When I came into your house, you did not give me water for my feet because everyone is supposed to give. Don't, don't know, they used to walk a lot. I mean, you walk everywhere. So, and it's a desert too. So your feet are always dirty. So when you come into someone's home, they are supposed to wash your feet at the entrance, even. First thing, before you... But he just... They didn't wash his feet. If I were important to you, I were an important guest to you, you would have washed my feet before I entered. But this woman, I entered into her house, thou givest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears. Not just with water, but with tears. And wiped them with the hair of her head. Ha! She has given me her glory on my feet. You did not give me any kiss. Because when you, when you invite an important person to your home, you give that person a kiss. The Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Not mouth to mouth. Mouth to cheek. Mouth to cheek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss, kiss my feet. He has been kissing my feet. Hey! My head with oil, thou is not anoint. Because the head too can be full of dust. So you need to anoint the hair as well. But this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many. So he made, a, he made him know that I know that she's a sinner. I know things. I know that she's a sinner. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven? The same loved little. You see, Simon did not think that Jesus was so important in his life. He had heard that he was doing miracles. So he said, oh, Charlie, come home. He didn't know that he was someone who forgives sins. Simon felt that he was a very correct man. Because he's a Pharisee. Very correct. But the woman knew that she's not correct. So Jesus said, listen. Her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loved little. Next verse, verse 48. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Wow. Wow, of course, they go angry. Who is this guy who forgives sins? But he has said it already. What can you do? If you don't think you've been forgiven much, you will love little. If you know that you have been forgiven a lot, you will love a lot. So your love, the level of your love is dependent on your understanding of how much you have been forgiven. Are you understanding? If you understand the level to which God has forgiven you, you will sing to him. You will not be afraid to approach him. The reason why a lot of people can't talk to God much is because they feel that they are not correct. They feel that they are sinners. Meanwhile, God has forgiven you. So a clear understanding of how much the level to which we've been forgiven makes all the difference because it will dictate our love life for the Lord. How much you love the Lord. If you love the Lord, you will not hurt him. Do you know that? Yeah. If you have a beloved, you don't want to do some things against the person. Yeah. Hallelujah. 
What are we saying? Like I said, a lot of people think that, oh, the forgiveness, no. It's tricky. It's very tricky. I have to be paying for my wrongs. So sometimes you even record your wrongs. I did this, I did that, I did that. I know I need to pay. When something comes, oh, ah, say a kind. This is it. I'm paying for it. You stole something. You, you did chobo. Chobo. And after some time, your phone got lost. <laughs> and say, ah, the phone. Ah, thanks, me. <laughs> what, I, you shall reap whatsoever you sow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus' blood and sacrifice is higher than that of goats and cows. Jesus' blood is higher than that of goats and cows. It covers everything. Okay? So, let me show you some scriptures in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 9. Because of this particular thought, that is in a lot of people's mind. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. I'm still on remission. I'll explain what remission means. But I'm just giving you a backdrop to it so I can explain it very well to you. Okay? Jesus' blood is bigger and higher. It's more potent than that of goats and calves. The blood of goats and calves made them forget sin for one year. After one year, they re- God remembered sin again. It was, for, it was a limited supply of, of blood. It's just for covering. So God will cover their sins for one year. And they'll go away. But when they come back again and come to bring the sacrifice, the sacrifice reminds them that they are sinners. But not the blood. Of, the blood of Christ was offered once and for all. For sin. Okay? He says, but Christ being come an high priest of good things to come. He came as a high priest of good things. Say good things. Good things to come. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. He's talking about the tabernacle of, of Moses, the tabernacle, the temple of Solomon and all that. The sacrifices that were done there. He says, Christ has not come to serve in that particular tabernacle or in that particular temple. Neither by the blood of goats and cows. They were using goats and cows. Can you imagine? To cover sins. To take away sins for a year. But by his own blood. Jesus and goats. Which one is more important? Yeah. So if the blood of goats could cover sins for a year. A normal goat that is moving around in your, in your house. His blood can cover sin for one year. How much more the blood of God himself? Are you understanding? So you cannot compare. The two. So that's why he says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place and obtained eternal redemption for us. Look at the next verse. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. For if, if, that, if this happens, happen to those in the Old Testament. He says, for if the blood of bulls and goats... And the ashes of an heifer. An heifer is a bull, okay? Sprinkling the unclean. Those who are unclean. When they sprinkled them with the blood and the ashes and some water, they were clean. If it sanctified to the purifying of the, if it changed them, if it caused them to come closer to God for one year and purified their flesh and purified them, how much more shall the blood of Christ? How much more? And there's a message I've been wanting to preach for like six years. How much? How much more? One day I'll preach it. Maybe this day I'll preach it. 
Because there are a lot of things in the Bible that say, but how much, much more, much more. The blood of Christ is higher, way higher. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself, himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more shall he purge your conscience? Eh? Because, you see, the problem is with your conscience. Your conscience, you, in, your, in your mind, like, hey, Mika, I'm still a sinner. Mika, because I did this, Charlie, I don't think that God will forgive me. Sometimes you, do, you commit a particular sin and you realize, like, this is like the unpardonable sin. This one, the one. This one, the blood cannot. The blood of Christ does not clean this one. No, 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 no. And there are a lot of people like that. They, you did some, one or two things. Okay? An abortion. You did an abortion. I've killed somebody. I've taken innocent blood. Innocent life. Because, eh. like, Charlie, this thing, eh? I'm not sure God will even give me a child in my life. I'm not sure God will give me a life, a child. That is my punishment. And I'm, in your mind, you are paying, you are going to pay for yourself. It's a wrong way to think of. It's a wrong way to think. Hallelujah. He <laughs> says, how much much of the blood of Christ? Who through the eternal spirit offered himself with that spot to God? Purge your conscience. The blood of Christ is meant to purge your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. God wants you to be free to serve him without anything holding you back. Because there are a lot of things holding you back. You can't get your full potential because of some things that happen in time past. You see, because you don't understand the work of Christ on the cross or the work of God in Christ on the cross. Because you, have, you lack revelation of it, you can't live your full potential. That's what I'm talking to you now. To help you understand what Christ did. Can I go on? Go to chapter 10, verse 1. I have a long, I'm going to read long. I'm just going to read to you. You've not been reading your Bible, so I'll read it to you. Hallelujah. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, it had a shadow. It didn't have the good things. It had a shadow of it. Christ is a high priest of good things to come. He's the reality. But the law had a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices of bulls and goats, eh, which they offered year by year, continually make the camels there unto perfect. It couldn't. The sacrifice of the bulls could not make the camels or those who were coming to sacrifice perfect. It couldn't. The word perfect is teleosis or teleos. To bring them to completion, to fullness. It couldn't do that. Next verse. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. If it had made them perfect, they, wouldn't have, they would have stopped offering it. But because it didn't make them perfect, when they are dead, during the year, as they are dead, they realize that they are doing a lot of foolish things. They are like, hey, Charlie. Charlie. So when the, year come, the next year comes, they, they carry their, the next goat. In fact, after the sacrifice of that goat, they prepare the next goat for next year. Because they know that by the next, next time, they are, their conscience has killed them. <laughs> for then, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. Once they had been purged, they shouldn't have had conscience of sins. Next verse. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. In those sacrifices, there's a remembrance. Every year you come. It reminds you that, brother, you are not correct. Sister, you are not correct. You have been forgiven just for a year. Next year, if you don't come, you will see what will happen to you. Next verse. 
For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. It is not possible. See, it is not possible. So all that we're doing was just, was just covering the sin. God would say, okay, the sin is covered for one year. <laughs> if you fool around, you see. Right, they are moving, and God is angry at them, looking at them, angry because of the things that they are doing. The next day, the next day, they bring another good. Okay. It could not take away sins. Never. It can never take away sins. So never go to a Jewman and say that you should use this, the, the blood of a cow or a chicken to do something. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't do much. Certainly, but it doesn't do much. Next verse. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, when Jesus came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not. You, you don't like sacrifice and offering. God, you don't, you don't like sacrifice and offerings. But a body has you, have you prepared me. You've prepared me a body. You have given me a body for the purpose of sacrificing to you. That's why Jesus came. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. You have had, you've not had pleasure in all the things that Moses and the people were doing. You've not had pleasure in it. All that was just covering things. It wasn't the real thing. But you have prepared a body for me. I have come. Next verse. Then said I, lo, I come. In the book, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. This is what he said. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. He's talking about the whole of the Old Testament. Everything that was written was concerning him. The burnt offerings, the sin offerings, the sacrifices, everything was actually him. He was a representation of everything. Or he was a reality of all those things that represented him. And he came. He himself came. And when he came, he says, above when he says, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou does not. Neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Next verse. Then said he, lo, I come to do that with O God. He taketh away the first, so that he may establish the second. What is the first? The first is the law, and all the things that are in the law. He has, because he said that he has taken that away, so that he may establish the second. What is the second? The second is what we are in now, the New Testament. What we are in now is higher. Those guys, yes, was covered. But ours is not covered. It's going to show you what happens to our sin. Next verse. By the which we will we are sanctified to the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. Jesus offered himself once for all. And because he offered himself once for all. He says we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. Hallelujah. 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 These scriptures. I don't know, I don't know how else you as, as we are reading. You realize that the thing is clear. By the next verse, and every priest standard daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. That's what we're doing in the Old Testament. We're sacrificing every day, daily. Sacrifice that does not take away sins. Like, we know it won't take away ourselves, but let's do it because we know that it covers more. Next verse. But this man, say, but this man. But this man, this man called Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever. Do you believe in the Bible? It says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Next verse. From hence of expecting to his enemies be made his footstool. Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. For by one offering he has perfected forever. He's not going to perfect every year or every day or every... He has perfected forever. Forever. Them that are sanctified. Are you part of those who are sanctified? If you have believed in what he did, you are part of those who are sanctified. And he says, those who, he says, he has made them perfect. He has perfected. For by one of them, he has perfected forever. 
forever. Say forever. forever. So all the things that you are doing or not doing has been taken care of. It's like it's too nice. You have God saw your abortion before you did it. And he took care of it. God saw your problems. Let me show you some more. Look at verse 15. Let me show you. He says, Whereof of these things, of what Jesus did on the cross, the Holy Ghost also is a witness for, to us. See, there are two witnesses of the Holy Spirit. One is for us, and one is to us. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Romans 8, 16. That one is different from this one. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Have you seen it? He bears witness with us, with our spirits. But the other one that we are reading now, in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 15, go to 15. It says, of all the things that we've read about how that Christ's sacrifice is higher than that of goods, and that by his sacrifice he has perfected forever them that are sanctified, the Holy Spirit is a witness to us. What it means is that he is a witness in a, in a court. Okay? He saw all that Jesus did on the cross. He was there when all that was happening. In fact, he raised Jesus from the dead. He was there when everything happened. And he's now a witness in court. Witnessing to the fact that, oh, Jesus did it. He did it. He actually did it for these people. And so nothing can be done about them. You can't do anything. You can't lay anything to their charge. Are you understanding? It says, well, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after he had said before, after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. Next verse, verse 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. He says, and, and this is the witness of the Holy Ghost. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You see? The word no more, the word no more is ume. What it means is that I will never, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never. It's a double negative word. I will never remember their sins anymore. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So this is what has happened to your sins. God says he doesn't remember your sin. What it means that before he used to remember those people's sins. Yeah, he was remembered. Remember, you see, when I, when I shared concerning righteousness, I showed you how that we are not forgiven uh, by mercy or by love or by kindness, the kindness of God. It is by the judicial justice of God. We are forgiven by the judicial. It was, it was a matter taken to God and God realized that he can't do anything about it and he let go. That's how much you've, you've been forgiven judicially. So there's nothing you can do that will make it change. There's nothing that you can do God to say, hey, Afrabeipa, Sakwaweipa, is that how he is? Okay, I've changed my mind. God can't change his mind. He can't change his mind. This is an exact reversal of what's in Exodus chapter 34. Let me show it to you. Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. Were, God was introducing himself to Moses and he was showing him who he is. He says, I'm God keeping mercy for thousands, giving, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. You remember? I will by no means clear the guilty. The same God who said I will by no means clear the guilty is now saying that their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So that scripture is a reversal of this particular scripture. In our case, 
because of what Christ did on the cross. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So what happened to your sins? Your sins have been removed. Completely removed one time, like she said. One time for your mind. (laughs) God doesn't remember. No more. Say no more. Never. Ever. Will I remember. It says, into the sea of forgetfulness as it plays our sins. It's gone. It's gone. Completely. That's what Jesus did. Jesus removed your sins. And will forever never remember it. He has perfected by his offering and by his sacrifice. He has perfected forever all those who are sanctified. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So don't let something that you did or whatever prevent you and become a burden for you. Whenever you are praying, then it will come to your mind. Father, thank you. Then the devil will say, who are you thanking? Who are you thanking? Who is your father? Come on, keep quiet. You sinner like you. Your face like Gobe. Yeah. So Jesus' sacrifice is higher. Say it's higher. It's higher than that of goats and cows. Can I show you more? There's plenty more I have to show you. Plenty more. So, what is remission? What is remission? Remission is the complete removal of sins. Complete removal of sins. That's what remission means. Complete removal. Say complete removal of sins. The actual word is removal. Complete removal of sins. Remove. Remove. Do you know remove? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. Go to Hebrews 9 22. So when you read the Bible and you see remission, what it's talking about is complete removal of sins. Okay? Not leaving someone. Completely taking away everything. Because of Christ's sacrifice. Everything I'll take it. I'll explain it to you some more. And almost all things are by the Lord purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Have you seen it? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Blood must be shed for there to be remission. And whose blood was shed? Christ's blood was shed so that there can be remission or removal of sins. Not covering of sins. In the Old Testament, Testament, sins were covered. But in the New Testament, sin was removed. Past, present, future was removed completely. He says he does not remember your sin. I just read it to you. So he said their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And I've told you that no more means what? Never, ever, never, 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 ever, never, never, never. <laughs> you see your face. You are, you are, you are surprised. Yeah. The Greek word is aphasis. A-P-H-E-S-I-S. A-P-H-E-S-I-S. Aphasis. Aphasis. A-P-H-E-S-I-S. And it means what? Complete removal of sins. Okay? It's also translated as forgiveness in the Bible. There are places, certain places where it is translated as forgiveness. So there are places where you see forgiveness. It's actually the same word, aphasis. Like you have in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Look at Ephesians 1 7. Ephesians 1 7. In whom? In Christ... We have redemption. Do you remember redemption? In Christ, we have redemption. We've been bought back. We've been taken away from the slave market of sin. 
we've been brought to the place of glory and honor. That's redemption, right? Agorazo, ex agorazo, lutro, apolutro. Isn't it? Apolutros, right? In whom we have redemption through his blood. In Christ, we have redemption through. Everything is through the blood of Christ. You see, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. How many of you have watched Nigerian movies before? You've watched Nigerian movies before? How many of you have watched a cultic, cult type of Nigerian movie? What? Do you remember that movie? Now, if you've, if you've realized, in the realm of power, in the, in the cultic world, okay, because they show it more, but in the realm of power, in the realm of the spirit, blood and flesh are very important. If you want to increase in power, in authority, in sharpness, in, in what? In greatness, in the realm of darkness, or in the realm of the spirit, you need to be drinking blood. You don't, you don't just sacrifice it, you drink it. And you need to eat flesh. So there are some cultic people who eat human flesh. If you can eat human flesh, it brings you a certain kind of power. Or if not, you've seen some before, you heard some before. Haven't you seen people drinking, like the people who drink the blood, they are there. Ogbontias. Do you know Ogbontia? They are the Ogbontias in the kingdom of darkness. So you too, you must be drinking some blood. And you must be eating some flesh. In order to become an Ogbontia in the spirit. Guess what? Jesus said, except you eat my, blood, my, my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no place in me. The more you partake of the communion, as you are partaking of the communion, you are becoming an, an Ubuntia. Do you know Ubuntia? An Ubuntia, a high-powered person. That is why Jesus said, do it as often as you can. But because we don't have understanding, we don't, we don't really do it much. And when you are doing it, we don't even think about it. But that is the means of real contacting real power. Yeah. The blood of Christ is the highest blood that can be shed in any way, in any place, in any, in any form. And it takes away sins it takes, it has taken away the sins of the past. It says without the shedding of blood, it's no remission of sin. No remission. No taking away, no removal. But Christ has shed his blood. Therefore, sin has been removed. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. That is, it has happened already. It happened before you came. And Jesus says he has removed it. You better believe it. See, I believe it. Yeah. I'll show you. This is the gospel. What I'm telling you now. Is that I'll show you clear scriptures of how many people preached it in the Bible. You'll be surprised of the content of the gospel that was preached in the Bible. It's different from what you are preaching now. It's different from what people are preaching now. Seeing all kinds of things to people. That's why some people are running away from God. Because like God is going to hold their sin against them. God is going to make sure that he breaks their legs. <laughs> so I said it's also translated as what forgiveness, isn't it? Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption... Through his blood. You see, I, I, I'm saying these things for you to acknowledge how powerful the blood of Christ is. You see, when, when I declared that we were going to be walking in the, uh, what, the blessedness of the blood, I didn't really say much. Because there's so much to say. And that's what I'm explaining now. There's so much to say. Everything, salvation is by the blood of Christ. And everything we are saying is because of the blood and the flesh of Christ. Yes, Jesus' blood and flesh. Because you need blood and flesh for certain spiritual things to take place. And he has done it. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Then he says, the forgiveness of sins. The word forgiveness is the same word, faces, Which is the same word for remission. 
removal. Complete what? Removal of sins. Not some. Complete removal. He says we have. Hmm? The word have is, is a durative, is a durative tense. What it means is that uh, it has to do with being done in the past, being done in the present, and being done to the end of life. Timeless. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I'll explain that to you. But I hope you understand. We can go to Colossians chapter 1. There's a similar verse there. Colossians 1.14. Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Same scripture. It's the same scripture here. Isn't it? It's just repeated. Same thing repeated. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. And the word forgiveness is our faces. The forgiveness of sins. He's taking away all sins. Sin in all of its ramifications. Okay? Sin as a nature. Sin as a... As a seed, sin as a fruit, sin as everything, as a tree, BBR. He has removed everything. So someone is saying, Oh, so how come I still do wrong? We'll show you. So it, I said it also means of forgiveness. So this word forgiveness is the same word, remission. Okay? All right. Now let's look at the details of, of remission. What, what does remission constitute? Or how does remission happen? How does it take place? Can I show it to you? Leviticus chapter 16, verse 7 to verse 10. Leviticus. We need to go to the Old Testament to understand how remission was done that those times. Okay? Of course, they, were, they didn't have remission. They had the covering of sins, isn't it? And he shall take the two goats. This is uh, concerning Aaron and the two goats. Say the two goats. <laughs> there were some two goats that Aaron needed to deal with. Two very important goats. So he says, and he shall take the two goats, Aaron shall take the two goats, and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. He will take two goats and bring them before God. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. He shall do C, 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 Nanako, Ta, Ta, Fire. If the fire falls on this one, this is the one that is chosen of the Lord. So Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. So the one that he ends on is for the Lord and the other one is called the scapegoat. Escape. Have you heard, ever heard of scapegoat before? Yeah. We'll use you as a scapegoat. Yeah. Have you heard it before? They picked it from here. Scapegoat. You die for, you'll be sacrificed for, isn't it? You'll be used as the example. And so the scapegoat, there's something that is done to the scapegoat. I'll show you. Next verse, verse, verse 9. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. So the one that had the thing falling on, which is the Lord's lamb, so there are two, the Lord's lamb, and then the scapegoat. Now the Lord's lamb, the priest will lay his hands on the Lord's lamb, and transfer his sin onto the goat, and transfer the righteousness of the goat onto himself. So the innocence of the goat is transferred to Aaron, and to the children of Israel. For that one, that particular goat, that's the main thing that happens. The transference of the innocence of that goat to Aaron. So Aaron was walking around with the righteousness of the goat. <laughs> or the innocence of the goat. That's why all those who say we should live under the law have problems. Because you don't understand. You don't you goat. Christ is there, you want goat. Oh, Christ has become a righteousness, you want goat. Christ's righteousness has been transferred to us, you want goat's righteousness. So that one is sacrificed to the Lord. It says, and Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord fell, and he offer him for a sin offering. So he offer him for a sin offering. Next verse. But the goat on which the Lord fell to be, to be the scapegoat, which is the first one, the sacrifice, that's the one that the blood is taken to the uh, Holy of Holies and then sprinkled before the 
the mercy seat seven times, upon the mercy seat once, and in front of the mercy seat seven times, and all that, then he can't have to come and declare the righteousness of everyone, isn't it? That one is different. Then the scapegoat, he says, but the scapegoat on which the Lord fell to be, the goat on which the Lord fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive. So that one is not killed. It shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Jump to verse 21. So that one is not killed. It is taken into a place called the wilderness. Now Christ, Jesus fulfills both goods. He is both goods. If you remember when John the Baptist prayed for Jesus in the Jordan, when he baptized him, the baptism was an act of laying on of hands. He laid hands on him, he immersed him into the water and all that. The following day when Jesus was passing by, John said that the Lamb of God, he called Jesus the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Isn't it? He called him the Lamb of God. So that's the first one. Jesus fulfilled the first one, the Lamb of God. And the purpose of the Lamb of God is to take away the sin of the world. Okay? Uh-huh. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat. He's talking about that same scapegoat. And confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel. So Aaron will lay his hands on that scapegoat and confess all. The first one, he doesn't confess, he just lays. But this one, he will confess all the sins of Israel. So it will take a very long time. This one, this one, everybody's family. Will be, uh, yes. And all their transgressions and in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Next verse. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. So this goat is led to, the scapegoat is led to the wilderness. But before that, the sins of Israel are confessed upon that goat. Uh-huh. He's called the sin goat, if you like. Okay? So the first one, Jesus is referred to as the, 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 the Lamb of God. Sacrifice for sins. Isn't it? The second one, Jesus is referred to as the scapegoat that is taken into the wilderness to be rent, to be destroyed. Taken away from the camp. If you notice, this scapegoat is taken away. They confess their sins and the scapegoat is taken away completely. He's separated, he's removed completely to be taken into that wilderness, to be destroyed in the wilderness. Are you saying it? Uh-huh. Jesus, as a son of man, was sacrificed as a scapegoat. The sins of humanity was put upon him, and it was, he was removed from man, from everybody. Since he was sacrificed outside the gates. He was taken away completely. He went to hell alone to be rent by demons and by devils. So this act of taking the scapegoat into the wilderness to be destroyed is the act of remission. Remover. Remove. So he became their sin. And he was taken, the goat was taken away from the camp completely. Not to return to the camp anymore. That goat should not return to the camp. And cannot return to the camp. Anymore. Are you here? Same way your sin was also taken away from you completely. In Christ. Never to return to you anymore. So that is, that is the typology of remission in the Old Testament. I hope you understand. So that's why I said is that it means complete removal. He's taken away completely from the camp. Hallelujah. Is it easy to understand? Yeah. Hmm. So the next thing I want, to, I want you to see is the extent of our remission. The extent of our forgiveness or remission. How, what's, what's the extent of it? How wide is it? Is it limited like we were talking about earlier? Is, it, is there a place, is there something that you can do that Jesus will say, hey, this one there, I didn't die for this one. Is there a level that you can get to? Well, look at the extent. Say the extent. The vastness of our remission. How many of you understand remission now? Do you want to read the Bible and you see remission? Remission, forgiveness. 
You understand? It means complete removal. Complete removal. Okay? So Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7. To see the extent of our remission. Remember, we read the scripture earlier. In whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Then he says, the forgiveness of sins. The next thing is, it is according to the grace, the riches of his grace. <laughs> so the extent to our, of our remission is according to the riches of God's grace. Now, if he had said it is out of the riches of the grace of God, it would have been very powerful. But this one, he says, according to. If you are owing, let's say you are owing $1 million, and I'm a rich man, and I want to pay that $1 million, but I'm a billionaire, I'm a billionaire, or I'm a trillionaire, and I come and I give you $10 million, is it not enough to pay your $1 million? You can pay the $1 million and enjoy $9 million, isn't it? But what I did was out of my, my trillionness. It was out of my trillionness, which is very good. What else are you looking for? It's powerful, isn't it? Uh-huh. But if I pay according to my riches, what it means is that I'm exposing you to my, all my accounts. You can do whatever you want to do with my accounts. My 100% is your 100%. I say it. <laughs> so Jesus paid and removed our sins according to the riches of his grace. Jesus is rich in grace. He is full of grace and truth. And that is the extent to which he has removed our sins. According to the riches. You see, the sacrifice of Jesus is bigger and greater than any judgment that God can bring on earth. Let me show you a scripture. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18. You'll be amazed. 1 Kings 18. Let's read from verse 31. If you remember, Elijah had an encounter with the prophets of Baal, or Baal, like some people call them. And they wanted, he told them they should, they should do a setup and see who, whose God is more powerful. They should cry for fire to come and come and consume their sacrifice. Okay? And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. Made a very big altar. Okay? Remember, the prophets of Baal had done this. They also set up their altar and called for their evening, their evening sacrifice. But nothing happened. And Elijah was laughing at them. Maybe your God have gone on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he laughed at them, remember? Uh-huh. And Elijah also came on the scene to come and do his. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces. So he took a bullock. That's a sin offering, okay? He was sacrificing according to the law. That's the offering for sin. So he put the bullock in, chopped the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. I mean, you want fire to come. Why are you pouring water on the thing? He poured plenty of water on the thing. <laughs> Next verse. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. He poured plenty of water on it. And the water ran around about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. He filled, after pouring the water on the sacrifice, he filled the trench that was around it with water. Remember the sacrifice? Okay? It's to satisfy, it's to placate God. Remember, we did the propitiation. It's to placate an offended God. 
So if we are putting sacrifice there, it means that the burnt, the burnt offering or the, the sin offering is actually uh, a means of appeasing God's judgment. So whatever fire comes on it is a judgment of God. Are you seeing it? It's the judgment of God. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things that, that are thy word. Next verse, verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that, is, that these people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Next verse. Look at the next verse. Read the verse to me. One to go. Read it again. One to go. Fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The judgment of God was so great that even the stones were consumed. The sacrifice was not enough. That is why Elijah put water on it. Because he knows the extent of God's judgment. It's very big. God was very angry. I mean, God, no, Charlie, very well. The fire licked up all the water, destroyed, consumed, it burnt the stones. So there was nothing left. This, was what, this, was, this is Old Testament judgment of God, which extended to the new. But the sacrifice of Christ, this sacrifice could not, it couldn't lick up the judgment of God. But the sacrifice of Christ is so high that God's judgment is very little in the sacrifice, in, in God's eyes when it comes to the sacrifice of Christ. So the exact reversal of this experience is true in our case. The sacrifice that was presented for God's judgment is higher than the judgment of God. That is why he has riches. His grace, he has, he's rich in grace. And our redemption, our remission is based on that riches. His sacrifice is higher than God's judgment. So God cannot be angry with you. God cannot hold anything against you. Remember, the Holy Ghost is in court confirming and witnessing and saying that, hey, bros, the sacrifice of Christ was higher than your anger. You can't do anything about it. So that's the extent of our remission. That's the extent of our remission. So when it comes to sin, when you do something wrong, don't, don't let it become... The Bible says that the righteous falleth seven times and rises. Okay? That's what the righteous man does. Sometimes some, you do, something wrong happens around you and then your whole life, you, you, you build a camp around that particular thing. And all your life. And you end up doing it over and over because you can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive it because you think that God has not forgiven. You think that God is holding it against you. Your whole life, your confidence is, is reduced because of that thing. Your effectiveness is reduced because of that thing. Because of what you did. Hey! Your religious God is mad. Completely like Charlie, I did this. I, I remember I was watching a movie with my wife some time ago. Uh, it was there a movie. It was just like an advert. This guy, that was a pastor, had done something. I think he had slept with one of the people in the church. And he could not forgive himself. So he wanted to go and kill himself. He took a gun, tried to shoot himself, tried to hang himself. Because he said, ah, me, pa, I have done this. That's self-righteousness. Me, pa, I have done this. Who, who are you? <laughs> me, pa, I have done this. I will kill myself. As he was trying to kill himself, God's voice came and said, you're a very foolish man. A very, very foolish man. Yeah. Is this what I sent you for, to kill yourself? No, no matter what happened, no matter what has happened, 
life still moves on. Let's go forward. It's, you should know who, who has been tempting you to do wrong. It's not God who tempts you to do wrong. It's the devil, this is the devil's effort to keep you at one place. So if you let him win, then you, are, you, are, you have made him win. If you, if you decide that you are not going to go on because of what you did, then you won't go on. And you'll be very happy because you are not going on. But when you wake up and you clean, you clean yourself and say, I will not let this become a problem. You see, go to uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. God has, you remember, God has removed it. He has forgiven us. If you read Ephesians 4, 31, go to Ephesians 4, 31 before we come to this one. Ephesians 4, 31. Let all bitterness and uh, wrath and anger and clam and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32. And be, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. He has forgiven. It's past. He's forgiven us. Okay? Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. 1 John 2, 12. 1 John 2, 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. It says your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. For his name's sake. And the word forgiven there is a continuous word. It's a perfect tense. When we say imperfect, what is imperfect tense? What is an imperfect tense? Those of you who did English. What is perfect tense and imperfect tense? A perfect tense is what? A perfect tense is once and forever and for all. An imperfect tense is, repeat, you have to repeat it over and over and over. This word here is a perfect tense, meaning that he has done it once and for all. Yeah. Says, I write unto you literature because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So what happens when we do wrong? Have you ever done anything wrong before? You've done anything wrong before. And John makes us understand that, listen, if you don't say that you have not done anything wrong, then it means that you don't, you don't know what you are talking about. You are not being truthful. First John chapter 1. That's what it says in First John chapter 1. Let's read from verse 7. God, John is not contradicting himself. He's not. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ, Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Have you seen it? Since you can't say that you've not, even your look, your mere look is not correct. Or you don't know what I'm talking about. As you're sitting here, you've done something already in your heart, in your, in your, in your mind. You have insulted someone. Ah, who is this girl? What does she think? Who does she think she is? What's all this? Why, 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 are they, why are they talking so much? Why is the light not shining? Why? You've said so many things that are wrong. So you can't say that even the way you're sitting now is a problem. So John is saying, if we say that we have no sin, we have this, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Next verse. If we confess our sins, that's when you do something wrong, confess your sins. Now, in legal terms, you have been forgiven. That's what I've been, I've been talking about all this while. You've been forgiven. Remission has occurred. Complete removal of sin. Like I said, both nature, both and, and in terms of food and and actions. Everything has been taken away. You have been forgiven. But in experience, when you do something wrong, you feel bad, isn't it? You feel bad. And it's showing you what to do when you do something wrong. How to access what God has done for you already. So he says, if we confess our sins, the way to do that is by confessing your sins. Then he says, God is faithful. And what? He is faithful and he is just. You were not faithful. You broke your, your whatever, your fellowship. But he is faithful. He's committed to you. You understand? Apart from he being faithful and committed to you, he is just. He has forgiven you judicially. It is a court matter. 
He cannot bring a word against you. Your sins and iniquities will not remember no more. He remembers it. So he says he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins. Practically speaking. Are you understanding? Then he says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because all of a sudden, because of what you did, you start thinking, we can I even pray? So you don't want to go for the prayer meeting. One lady texted me and said that, Charlie, Saturday, what I went to, my wife even read those messages, said, I went to do some wild things. I slept with this boy, whatever, plenty on Saturday. So Sunday, I was ashamed. I could not go to church. I was in my room throughout the day. She felt like killing herself and all kinds of things. Your cure is in the church. Your cure is confessing your sin and believing in what he has done in Christ for you. Since my little children. Go back to that place. 1 John 2, 12. My little children. There are so many things that Jesus has done for us. I write unto little children because your sins are forgiven you. For his name's sake. Your sins are forgiven you. Look at 1 John 2, 1 and 2. Go back to verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you. That you sin not. I'm writing this to you so that you don't sin. But and if any man, he didn't say if any child, if any man, because anyone in the category can do something wrong. A child, there are three levels of growth. Three basic levels. Child, young man, father. He says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father. Jesus Christ, the righteousness. The righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. You remember propitiation? He is the mercy seat. He is the mercy seat for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So don't let sin become a problem for you. Like don't let sin become a major case. Because you do something wrong, you are not talking to God for three days. Just confess your sins and move on. That's all. That's all. Sin is not a problem anymore. In the New Testament, sin is not a problem. We have made it a problem. Because of our understanding of what he did on the cross. We don't understand what he did on the cross. (laughs) That's what I'm preaching to you now. Appreciate what you did. No matter what you do in life. No matter. I'm not saying, I'm not giving you license to go and do foolish things. Like I said in the beginning, the one who knows that he has been forgiven much, loves much. If you know and you understand that you have really been forgiven, the ultimate response of that particular idea or that particular understanding is that you, you, you start loving God much. You start appreciating him. Hey, you remember some of the things that you have done. In time past. Hey, God. So you truly, 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 truly true. You are forgiving me for this. If it had not been for the Lord on my side. Tell me where would I be? Hey. Where would I be? Obon Sam. You know Adam. A hunter's meat. Yeah. So you remember, it causes you to, it push, pushes you into the mode of appreciation and the mode of love. You remember, I did five abortions. And the Lord says he has forgiven me. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would I? It gives you confidence that you can have a child again. And when you hold that child, the child is a means of thanksgiving to God. God is merciful. My sins and my iniquities you remember no more. It pushes you into the, into the, not, eh? <laughs> yeah, they are check. God has forgiven. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, pa. May I'm not shocking, but who say yes? 
he will see that me. He forgave me, he will see. That is a that is clear, it is clear that you are not born again. It's a clear something. Uh, if he did it before, he will do it again. If he forgave before, he will forgive again. Hey! You start singing all kinds of songs. It means you don't have, you've not really understood what we are talking about yet. Usa, your mind is small. You have to communal mind. Right? Koshito messes in your mind. I don't know. The one who has, you see, the lady, because she knew she had been forgiven, she could come close. Wash Jesus' feet. Worship. Worship was the, was the ultimate response of her knowledge of forgiveness that she had been forgiven. Yeah, she knew that she was a sinner, but she knew that this man is the one who has the solution for me. Yeah. Yeah. So we are preaching these things to you to help you, to help you. Because there are a lot of Christians who are down. They are in corners. They are in corners. Yeah. You have been sleeping with prostitutes. So it's, it has cornered you. You can't get free of it. You can't do ministry. You can't do anything for the Lord. That's what sin seeks to do. Sin, makes, sin seeks to keep you in one place so that you don't do anything for the Lord. So I want to give you a microphone to come and sing. Oh, pastor, I can't sing. <laughs> because you remember. But now, God wants you to remember. When you remember, you start thanking him. When you, when you remember, you become condemned. Like, ah. When cry, will I stop doing all these things and become pleasing to God? That's the thoughts you have. But God is telling you that, listen, you are pleasing to me. I like you because I forgave you. So do what I want you to do. Love me back and do what I want you to do. As simple as that. And that's the way for you to escape all your troubles. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Like I said, you see, this is what, this is what has been preached. This was what was preached from the beginning. Hmm? Remission of sins is the true gospel preached from the beginning. Let's look at John the Baptist. Mark chapter 1 verse 4. John the Baptist started preaching remission of sins. Yeah. Mark chapter 1 verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of what? For baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That was what he was preaching to the Jews. The Jews understood what this meant. They knew that their, their sins were covered every year. But they didn't have remission. So John came to preach baptism. Since John did baptize the in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. I, I explained this to you before. The baptism of repentance, what he was doing. He was telling them to change their minds concerning Christ's coming who would take away the sins of the world. Who would take it away completely. So he started preaching it. And when Jesus came, Jesus did the same. So the next person is Jesus. Luke chapter 24, verse 45 to verse 48. Luke 24, 45 to 48. Then opened he the understanding, Jesus, before he left, he opened the understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written, and, it, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Two things, repentance and remission of sins. Because true repentance 
comes when everybody knows that their sins have been taken away completely. Because that's what God is holding against people. So if God says, no, I'm not holding it against you anymore, it clears you of every guilt. Clears your conscience. So God is not holding anything against you. It's just like uh, a rich man who has proposed to a poor lady. Someone who was in the gutters, living in the gutters. Then he takes you, cleans you up, and makes you his wife. You see, did you merit it? What, what, what caused you to get that? I mean, he just, he just decided that I like this one. I love this one. I want to be with this one. And came for you. It's not because of your beauty. You weren't beautiful. You were in gutter for crying out loud. You were using the gutter water for rice. You were using to cook rice. I mean, your teeth was not yellow. It was brownish black. Green, even. But he said, this is what I like. And he cleans you up, changes you, and makes you his. Then every now and then, he sees you, because you have not renewed your mind, he sees you around the gutter every now and then, fetching some of the water every now and then, for stew. <laughs> Do you think that will cause him to change his mind and say, ah, why is it that you are doing this? What? Do you think he will do that? What will he do? If he was able to do the first one, then he will continue doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. All you need is a change. Your, your mind is not helping you at all. This is your mind. That is where the problem is. The problem is up here. You think God is against you. You think God is holding things against you. You think God does not like you. You think God hates you. You think God will punish you. You think God will break your legs or something. So you don't want to come too close. You don't want to come too close. Hey, Charlie, these things, Charlie, you don't. But God's hands are open, wide open. He has hugged you. And you are pushing to go away. And that repentance and remission. So Jesus spoke about it. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Matthew 26, verse 28. Jesus took, remember, this is the, 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 the Lord's Supper. The Last Supper, right? For this is my blood of the New Testament. Jesus took the cup and said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. For what? For the remission of sins. His blood was shed. For many, for the removal, complete removal of sins. He meant it when he said that. Look at Peter, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter preached the same thing. Jesus said, This is what they should preach repentance. He says that repentance and remission should be preached in his name. Then Peter said unto them, This is the day the Holy Spirit came, and Peter preached so many people, and five, three thousand people gave their lives to Christ. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the remission of sins. For the removal. All, all you need to do is to accept what Christ did. Okay? You become born again, your sins are completely removed. That's all. That is the gospel. Tell me about that is the gospel. I can't look at you and use what you are doing to decide that the Bible is not true. If, you, if your life will not attest to the truth of the gospel, it's up to you. But I will let my life attest to the fact that this is true. Yeah, my sins are removed. So there's nothing that will happen to me that will cause me to say that uh, it's okay, I'm not preaching again. No, no matter what happens, I'll preach. No matter what happens to me, I'll do the work of the Lord. I will not let the devil win in my life by keeping me at one place. Do you understand? Yeah. If we, were, if we didn't have understanding concerning this, we would not be standing here. You see the way he's shouting, hey, that's how, that's it. You'll be surprised. I always, I always say this. You know, you, if you think that you have problems, 
then you should know that your pastor has times hundred of what you have. You see, because the Bible says, strike the shepherd and the sheep shall flee. The sheep shall scatter. The devil is actually not looking for you. He's looking for your shepherd. He's actually not interested in you like that. But look at your troubles. Look at how many things come around you in a day. Look at how your mind is full of ladies' bottles. And your mind is full of of what? Boys' chests. Your mind is full of wrong. Like, you don't know. It's like every time something foolish is entering your mind. Are you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. You feel like there's money, you feel like taking some. You feel like you feel like scamming. You feel like doing something. I mean, you feel like going for sick drone. All the all, everything is entering inside your mind. Yeah. Because of the kind of environment you are in. It's called the world of sin. It's called the prison of the power of the air. It's all over in there. Disobedience. Like you just want to disobey. You just want to be stubborn about one thing or the other. I don't know if you understand. All the problems you have, your pastor has times hundred of that. <laughs> but what keeps your pastor and what makes pastors move and go forward is this particular thing. I have been forgiven. Therefore, no matter what happens, I will not let the devil win in my life. I will let Christ win in my life. I'm moving forward and nothing and no one can stop me. I'll preach the gospel whether I feel like it or not. Bible says preach in season and out of season. Whether you feel it or not, preach. Hmm? You realize that you found yourself stealing or doing something foolish at one point in time in your life. Tell the devil that next time you will meet me doing the work of the Lord. Next time when you come to come and tempt me, you will see me, you, you will see where you see me. I will surprise you. I will shock you. I will fast more than I was doing before. I will pray more than I was doing. That's what that should be the response of something. When something wrong happens, the response should not be, I don't know this or this. You've been forgiven. Take up your forgiveness. Just confess your sin. He's faithful and just forgive. Move forward. Take it and move forward. You understand? Yeah. So this is what was preached. This is what has been preached all this while. Peter preached in Acts 2.38. I think we just read it, right? And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 30 as well. Acts 5, 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Verse 31. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. The word forgiveness there is a remission. So you can read it, and remission of sins. Our faces. Hallelujah. You can call your daughter our faces. So that you can have the short form. Afe. <laughs> Paul also preached Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 verse 37. Acts 13 37. I'm showing you the people who preach in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's plenty. But he, talking about Jesus. But he, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Next verse. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus is preached unto you the forgiveness, the remission of sins. So that's what was preached. 
the complete removal. So it's an announcement. Hey, oh everyone, hey everyone, your sins have been removed. Just accept what Jesus has done, and you are free completely from sin. Look at Romans chapter six, verse ten. Romans six ten. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he lived unto God. He's talking about Jesus. It says, in that God, Jesus died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he lived unto God. Next verse, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Your sins were taken away, and he killed you, and you died to sin. He says, reckon. Hmm? Reckon. Likewise, reckon ye. That's one of the things that we are going to talk about. Reckon. Reckon ye. Put into your account. And justification. Put into your account. Putting things to your account. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right now, sin is optional. Sin is optional. Sin is not a problem. It's now an option. You can decide to go there or not. Because you are dead to sin and you are alive to God. All you need to do is to recognize it. Just recognize. Recognize. Recon. Put it to your account. I agree with what God has said. I'm not a sinner. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteous of God. Finish. Is that too difficult to do? Look at the next verse. Verse 12. Since we are talking about sin, let's talk about this. Let not therefore sin reign in your mortal body. Have you seen it? It says you. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. It means that you can say no to sin. You can say no to the boy. You can say no to the girl. You can say no to pornography. You can say hey, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's up to you. You can say no to lying. I'm not going to lie again. My bread. What has it done for me? And he says, since you started serving sin, what has it done for you? That's what the Bible... Okay, let's, let no sin therefore in your mortal body that you should obey it in the last hour. You are obeying sin. You can be a servant of sin. You can be serving... You, whether you like it or not, you are serving something. You can either serve money. You can either serve sin. You can serve yourself. You can say what? Satan. You can say what? Others. You can serve people. Do whatever. I choose to serve God. This is this what? Message. It says that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. How isn't it? Yeah. Don't, give, don't give sin time. You just say that. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. You have bread. You can conjugate bread for sin. J'ai bread. Two bread. El bread. No bread. Then it says, Neither yield your, yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You, you. It's like, right now you have the power. Before sin was a ruler and we were in bondage to sin. But now that Christ has come, we are not in bondage to sin anymore. So that thing that people say, It's a devil who did it. I don't know what happened. Oh boy. You knew exactly what happened. Haven't you noticed you knew what you knew? I mean, if you're a child of God, you know. There is no control. That control thing is gone. It's broken. Now it's a choice. You look around like, God, I be you know that. <laughs> then you walk into it. That's basically what happens. Neither you do your And even that one, still, God says that I've removed your sin. I don't care. Unless I want her to do something. You see, that God has a vision. He has a purpose. And he's more driven about that than about your foolishness. Neither you do your members as instruments of righteousness of sin, but you do yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members are instruments of, right, of righteousness unto God. Next verse, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, 
but under grace. Right now, grace is what controls you. So, what has dominion over you now is grace. In other words, grace is what controls your life. Say, grace is what controls my life. Not sin. So, it is easier now to do what God wants you to do than it is to sin. It is easier now. Now that you are born again, it is easier to respond to God than it is to respond to sin. Have you seen it? Look at the next verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Then it says, God forbid. Knowing not that to whom he yield yourself servants to obey, his servants he are to whom he obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If you yield yourself unto obedience, obeying God, it will lead you to more righteousness. Next verse. But God be thanked that you were this. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you through Christ, right? Next verse. Being then made free from sin, he became the servants of righteousness. So now we have been made free from sin, and now we have become the, right, the servants of righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 8, verse 19. I speak after the man of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness to, and to iniquity, unto iniquity, just as you yielded yourself. Look at the way you were fooling around. Your body count. You could sniff, you could, you could smoke weed. <sighs> to be coming out of your nose and your ears. You know how to let it come out of your ears. You knew how to be a bad boy. It's the way you were confident in badness. How many of you have been a, a, a bad boy or bad girl before? Lift your hand up. Some of you need to lift both your hands and your legs. You were skillful sinners. Have you realized? You know how to handle five guys at the same time. Without they realizing. No, but no problem. You know how to manage them. Five alive. Everybody's happy. And everybody's fine. He says, just as you were bad like that. Eh? For us, you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, to iniquity, unto iniquity. Even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. So now, I decide, I'm going to yield my, my, my body as a servant to God, to righteousness. When I see something good being done in the house of God, I'll put myself inside. Yeah. Not sitting with my hands folded. Letting other people do it. No, you have to yield yourself as servants. Mm-hmm. So now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. Look at verse 20. It's an interesting read. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. <laughs> like when you were a servant of sin, there was no place where righteousness entered at any point. Do you understand? You were full for, for, for sin. Eh? You were a full servant of sin. Not half. You were a foolish bad boy heading towards destruction very quickly. That's what he's saying. He says there was no place for righteousness around you. No place. There was no room for righteousness, for goodness. No, no, no. You were a full-time sinner. Yeah. Full-time. Okay, message. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have... To bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. Right, nothing. Not at all. Next verse. But do you call that a free life? 
What did you get out of it? Nothing you are proud of. Now, you can't talk about some things. I mean, when you are getting married and we ask, have you had sex before? I mean, to ask. I'll ask. Oh, I'll ask. I'll ask so I can know what to teach you. When we ask, you don't know whether to say yes or no. When you say yes, you are wondering whether we'll ask how many times. So you'll be there. You are not proud of it. There's nothing. You, you can't be saying things. You can't say, you can't boldly say it. You can't come and say, hey, Charlie, I, I, I could smoke wheel. I was rolling like this. There will be demonstration like this. I was rolling like this. It was not, you can't say such things. You, you are not proud of it. You can't, you can't, you are not proud. It's not something you, you talk about. I was a real buzai. You can't say, Charlie, I, I mix Smirnoff with Madingo. With Bokeke. <laughs> you, you, with Black Label and Coke. I mean, you can't easily talk about such things in the church. Do you understand? Like, it's your testimony as you are talking. Then you'll be showing people, okay, so that's how we do it. You can't, you can't easily educate us about those things. Do you understand? You are not proud of Where did it get you at that end? It didn't get you anywhere. Let's read the King James. The King James says it in a certain nice way. What food had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? You see, Jesus, you are now you are ashamed of it. And when you think about it, hey, Charlie, me and pa, for the end of those things is death. Next verse, verse 22. But now, being made free from sin. You see, he's let you know, you've been made free, oh. From sin. We are free. See, I'm free. I'm free. I am free. I am free. I am free to be the servant of the Lord. I'm free to be the servant. I'm free to serve the Lord. So sin is not a problem. Contrary to what preachers have been preaching. And now you are sinning. Sin is not a problem. We've been set free from sin. Sin has been taken away completely. Past, present, future. We have been made free. Now it's up to you to live the way God of sin. But now be made free from sin and become servants to God. We are now servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end life, everlasting life. Hallelujah. That is your end. Say that's my end. Everlasting life. I'm free from sin. I'm a servant of God. Can you imagine? He says you are a servant of God. It should be one of the things we declare when we are, when we are talking. Yeah, I'm a servant of God. He says being free. But now be made free from sin. And become servants to God. I'm a servant to God. I have, been, you ha- I have my fruit unto holiness. And the end of my life is everlasting life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so this was all preached. Remission of sin. Removal. Complete removal. You are dead to sin. You are alive to God. Serve God now. Live the way God wants you to live. And it is the, the easiest of the two. The easiest of the two is to respond to God. It is now more difficult to respond to sin. It is not automatic. You see the power that sin has like, hey, I can't stop, I can't. The power of grace is higher than the power of sin. It's way higher. It's way, grace is wilder. Grace is more, more effective, more powerful, more domineering than sin. All you need to do is, ah, I believe and I receive what you are saying. 
and you start, you see yourself going along that line, you realize that it's been a long time since you did some things. A long time. You don't remember. All you need to do is engage yourself. Engage yourself some more in God and His Word. And God will honor you. Pastor Ivan has something to say. Let's invite her. She can. Okay, hallelujah. <laughs> wow, that's a powerful sermon. Hallelujah. I hope you are being blessed by all that we are being taught. Yeah, the vocabulary of salvation is, is excellent. It's making me appreciate who I am more. Okay, so as Pastor was preaching, and just something that came to me, and I just jotted it down. I just wanted all of us to know about it. And said that the thought, the thought that comes to you that says that I cannot stop sinning, or I, it's a lie, actually. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And it prevents you, the child of God, from living that full life that Christ came to die for you to have. Okay? In John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus was the one speaking. He said that, I am come that ye may have life and that you will have it more abundantly. Let's look at the BB translation. Which is a... He said... The thief comes only to take the sheep and to put them to death. And he comes for their destruction. He said, I have come so that you may have life and have it in greater measure. There's another one, I don't know whether it's amplified, that says, enjoy life. It's, it's amplified. Okay. okay. The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So when you don't understand what has happened and you think that enjoyment is sin, then the devil is stealing and killing from you because the end is destruction, isn't it? Yes. Jesus said he came so that we'll have life and have it to the full. We enjoy life. We are supposed to be enjoying life, actually. And enjoyment of life is peace, joy, prosperity, health, and all the good things that you can think about. Hallelujah. So let us reckon to our account. That means that just accept it. That is what it is. I don't care what you are going through. Whatever thing that you are going through is a lie because this is the reality. What pastor said, that is the truth. So until you accept it and reckon it to your account, you may still be sitting by the gutter drinking the water. Hallelujah. You just have to accept it and get up from the gutter and start moving forward. Okay, because sin is not an issue anymore, actually. It isn't. It doesn't have power over you. It doesn't have dominion over you. And you are a child of God. You have God in you. You can do everything. Hallelujah. Yeah, so don't let that sin cripple you and make you form a pot. Do some uh, um, cold pot and fire and just stay by the gutter like that. Don't do that to yourself. You are a great treasure. You are a great king. Don't put yourself under. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.